0: As we continue worshiping together, receive these words, receive first these words from the book of Acts, the first chapter, beginning with the first verse. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going up and they, and they, sorry, while he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward the heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you to heaven, will come down the same way as you saw him go into heaven." These no. remained standing, and receive these words from the gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning in the 44th verse. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms will be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that the repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be, re- be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are a witness of these things, and see, I am sending you, I'm sending upon you what my Father promised. Receive what the Spirit is saying.
1: Good morning on this seventh Sunday of Easter when we also celebrate and mark the ascension of the Lord. My name is Reverend T.C. Morrow and I am glad to serve on the extended clergy team here at Foundry. That means I have another Uh, a full-time ministry with a human rights organization, and I'm glad uh, to, to be amongst us here at Foundry as well. Before getting to our topic of the day, a brief word this Memorial Day weekend. As any of us honor members of the military who paid the ultimate sacrifice for their country, know that there are family members and veterans amongst us, some of whom We know their stories, and some we do not. For some, the loss or losses are very recent, and others, it's been decades. Our prayers are with all who mourn and remember today and tomorrow and all days. There is much talk in the United States about military service to protect our freedoms. Let this be a weekend for those who call ourselves Americans to reflect on our country's true past, with realities far from our stated ideals. After the recent shootings in a grocery store in Buffalo, a church in Laguna Woods, and a school in Uvalde, alongside countless others and other preventable so-called tragedies. Let this be a weekend for those of us who call ourselves Americans to reflect on our country's true present with realities that we know are far from our stated ideals and to gather courage and political will to help our country be just a little bit more of what we long for it to be. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know that little spinning wheel as a program is trying to load on your computer? Or that feeling when 45 minutes have passed and you are still sitting in the waiting room at the doctor's office. This week, I read about an office building in New York City in the 1950s, a a tall skyscraper that had major complaints on the wait times for the elevators. Now, this, you'll need to remember, is long before we could simply pull our smartphones out of our pocket or purse and pass the time. The building management installed floor-to-ceiling mirrors near the elevators, and the complaints virtually vanished. People looked at themselves in the mirrors (laughs) and... They, it was enough to occupy their minds during that time and not let themselves get bored. Now, waiting for something can certainly be full of boredom and impatience, and also possibly great anticipation, and in some cases, great dread. Unlike the wait as the seconds count down for that next episode on Netflix of whatever series you're currently binging, waiting when you have no idea how long the wait will be can be extra exhausting and perhaps a bit understated to say that it can be challenging. We experience everyday-type waiting, from the time for the coffee to brew or the tea to steep in the morning to the grocery store line to a friend or coworker running late. And then there's that other kind of waiting, waiting for college acceptance letters, for an invitation to a job interview, for the biopsy report for word on how the surgery went. Just a few days from when it is possible that a long wait in my life will be over, or at least move to the next chapter in official terms, I have spent a good deal of time these last few weeks reflecting on what has gotten me through when I did not know how long the wait would be. I'll come back to some specific reflections on my time pursuing ordination in the United Methodist Church. But first, let's look at our scripture texts and some sources to nurture and tap during periods of waiting. Our scripture texts from the very end of Luke and the beginning of Acts describe periods of waiting. In both passages of these companion texts by Luke, that describes some of Jesus' encounters with the disciples after his resurrection, Jesus tells the disciples that they are to wait in Jerusalem to get the power that is coming from God. Now, we'll hear more about that next week as we celebrate Pentecost. For today, in the passage from Acts, the disciples ask Jesus a big-picture question. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? We long for a yes from Jesus, a yes that means an end to suffering and pain, a yes that means an end to war and all that divides us, a yes that means an end to school shootings, a yes that means an end to racism, and misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, nationalism, and all that spurs hatred and scorn, we long for a yes from Jesus. And instead, Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. The disciples want to know when all that Jesus has been teaching and preaching about is going to be ultimately fulfilled. Instead, Jesus tells them that some help is coming in the form of the Holy Spirit, so that they can be Jesus' witnesses to the end of the earth. The disciples want to know how long the wait will be, and Jesus, instead, reminds them of their mission. When I looked at this morning's passage from Acts in the original Greek, I was struck by the use of two different words related to time in Jesus' answer. Perhaps you know these words. Chronos and kairos are both used. In the ancient Greek, Chronos was used more to mean the linear, earthly time, a quantitative concept, and kairos was used more qualitatively to indicate the right or the appointed time. Some theologians talk about kairos time more as God's time, the time when things might align in order for something to take place. And Jesus says it is not for you to know the times or periods, the chronos or kairos, Jesus says we are not to know how much chronos, how many minutes or days or years or indeed millennia. Jesus also says it is not our business to know the kairos, the opportune time for when the kingdom will be fully manifested. And so we wait, not knowing how long the wait will be. Along with those early disciples, we have to figure out how to live in the already but not yet days, we have to figure out how to hold on to hope and not fall into cynicism when we experience glimpses of the kingdom, but know that there is to be so much more. Forgetting through the everyday waiting and the much more significant times of waiting that we may experience in our lives. I think that we can draw from some of the same wellsprings. This morning, I offer a few that I would suggest we can nurture and draw on, particularly to nurture through the small stuff so that we will be ready when the more consequential weights come in our lives. First, nurture the wellspring of patience. Literally, pause and take a deep breath. Learn what sets you off and practice it, practice for times when you know that will come. I have a teenager, well, two right with us right now, uh, so um, this is something I've you know been able to practice myself. I know when that text is going to come. That they're just five minutes late from curfew. Write that scathing email and then let it sit in your drafts folder. If you have never done this, do it. Practice waiting on the small things. For me, that might be waiting a couple more minutes to get through a time period until I open my favorite game app, Pokemon Go. For you, whatever it is, When we practice on the small things, the routine things, we can be better ready for the more substantial times of waiting. Second, nurture community. If you are not already in one, I encourage you to join one of Foundry's small groups. Some meet on Zoom so you can join regardless of where you live. There are both regional ones and also uh, for particular affinity groups. You can learn more under the contact section of the Foundry website or talk with one of the pastors. I also encourage you to take time to meet up with friends. Take time to make the trip to visit relatives or chosen family that you want to do but you've been putting off because you think you are too busy. All of this is important in building community. Depending on what you are going through, a support group, whether a formal one or an informal one might be beneficial for you. Community is so crucial in many aspects, and particularly nurturing community so that when we are in the times when we really need it, we will already have that community in place. Third, nurture a sense of purpose in your life. As Pastor Casey mentioned already, I find myself using as a mantra, love God, love each other, change the world, which is one of the ways that we describe our collective mission here at Foundry. When I worked on the Hill, I uh, well, when I worked in an office building on the Hill, um, I I would go and uh, pray and just walk and just say those words over and over again for myself and for all of us. In response to their question on restoring the kingdom, Jesus reminded the disciples of their mission, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We wait for the fulfillment of the reign of God, but we do not wait passively. We wait along with those first disciples with the mission to be Jesus's witnesses. We are each called to do our part in sharing Christ's liberating message of love and justice. We are to be witnesses for shalom, peace, and wholeness to the ends of the earth, the ends of the earth, in our neighborhoods, in the streets, in break rooms, in Zoom rooms, in boardrooms and in Congress. I encourage you to do the work if you have not done so recently. Do the work to discern the overlap of your passions and your gifts, the overlap of those with what the community needs. And where those intersect, you can be involved with life-sustaining purpose. On Ash Wednesday in 2016, a news article ran with the title, Married Lesbian Recommended as Provisional Deacon. There were not other There were not, just in case it needs to be said, there were not news articles about everybody else that the Board of Ordained Ministry had recommended for commissioning or ordination that year. After first discerning a call to ordain ministry while in college in the late 90s, and then finishing seminary in 2005, it was in 2012, during a witness for LGBTQ inclusion at the United Methodist General Conference, that I received a strong word from God. Stop waiting. Stop waiting for whatever kairos moment you think needs to happen before you put yourself forward as a candidate for ordained ministry in the United Methodist Church. I will say that on that day in 2012, there is no way, as I talked with Reverend Dean Snyder and others from Foundry who were there as well in Tampa, there is no way that I could have guessed all that would transpire. After all, the polity, our denominational rules, had not changed from when I had made a commitment to myself in the late 90s that I would not be in any closet and that I would certainly be honest and transparent through the process. The polity had not changed and has not changed which is what I had thought needed to happen before I would put myself forward. However, I received a different message that day. And God telling me to go ahead and put myself forward gave opportunity for the Board of Ordained Ministry to further discern what to do with candidates and same-sex marriages that might come before them. That news article in February 2016 was accompanied by another article describing that the board would hold all married candidates to the same standards, regardless of the gender of their spouse. And amazingly, things kept moving. And then they hit some bumps, which we won't go into at length or even in short today, but particularly As we ran into some bumps in 2016 and 2017 and 2018, people kept describing me as filled with patience and perseverance and fortitude and lots of other descriptors. And if you've ever had been in a similar situation of people describing you, you're wondering who is this person that they're talking about. I do know that I am a bit hard-headed by nature, and I've certainly cultivated some amount of patience And God continues to grant me strength when the wait for justice But when the wait for justice drags on, it can certainly get tough and rough. My wife, Logan, who was here with us um, singing in the choir during the first service, uh, Logan and I, Next month marks Logan and I being here at Foundry. uh, We had looked for a worshiping worshiping community to join together as a young couple. Uh, Next month will be 20 years that we've been amongst you, and give thanks to God for that. My wife and other family members, the support of the Foundry community and so many others, and a strong sense of purpose seeking to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ are what have buoyed me through 25 years of waiting. We can't think and pray our way to the world we want to live in. Thoughts and prayers have an important place, especially for faith communities, and I am the first one to call for a prayer vigil. But we know that so much more is needed. As our bishop, Bishop Luttrell Easterling, said in a message this week, we must seek the courage to speak out and act against hatred, against violence, against all the oppressive evils that swirl through our culture already creating the conditions for the next mass shooting. We must work to create a world in which all people are valued as beloved children of God. That is how we put our feet to our prayers." Those are the words uh, from Bishop Easterling, and uh, the, her entire message can be found at bwcumc.org. We are now three days before the scheduled clergy session, and a vote that prayerfully will go well, and then the service of ordination is set for Friday. I hope to be wearing a deacon stole like Pastor Ben next Sunday, signifying that I've been ordained. But if not, I will still be here. I will still be here bringing all that I am, so that you know you can bring all of who you are. That's what God wants. I will still be here because regardless of what happens this week, Jesus is calling us to provide a witness to the ends of the earth. I hear the echoes of what those early disciples were told. It's not for you to worry about when things will be fulfilled. That's in God's hands. Your task is to do what is placed before you in the meantime. Don't get snarled by inaction while waiting for some perfect time. God calls me now, and God calls you now. God calls each one of us now. The world needs us now. May God support each of us when life feels like it is stuck on that spinning, loading icon. May God surround us in our times of waiting and empower us to move forward seeking to love God, love each other, and change the world. Amen.